Hello, everyone. This is a, another episode of City Image, and we really felt that it was necessary to talk about the Philando Castillo verdict and how just absolutely just devastating that has been, um, just how much of a miscarriage of justice that has been and how, you know, um, we've all been personally impacted by that. So I have the usual suspects with me, um, Young Flatbush, Danny the Creator, myself, Brian the Theological Giant, again, back with us. We're so grateful to have uh, Andy. Thanks for Uh, having me. Yeah. um, But yeah, fellas, um, as I'm sure you all are aware of, uh, the verdict came back uh, not guilty. I believe they tried to get uh, Yanez, Officer Yanez, on manslaughter, and obviously... Um, that has been something that um, watching that take place uh, has just been heartbreaking in so many ways Uh, subsequently um, we saw a video released in which uh, the dash cam and the audio I think on the that was on the officer caught uh, play by play of what took place and we saw just essentially what what took place uh some sort of uh sanctioned lynching in my opinion of Philando Castile and um City Image wanted to be a place in which we um we process through these these issues and culture that are relevant to minorities we wanted to discuss this um and we wanted to talk about ways that um you know we can move forward if at all possible so Gentlemen, um, just thinking through the verdict, right? Um, thinking through what took place. But firstly, before we get into that, let me just give you guys a play-by-play of uh, what went down. Um, if you don't know what took place, uh, there's, there's been recorded just sort of uh, time increments of what uh, took place. So obviously, um, of course... Uh, Yanez, the officer, pulls uh, pulls uh, Castile over, um, and his girlfriend and uh, his child. And at nine oh five, Yanez asks Castile's for driver's license and proof of insurance. Um, at nine oh five and forty eight seconds in, Castile provides Yanez with his proof of insurance. Uh, at nine oh five. 49 seconds in, uh, Yanez looked at Castillo's insurance information and then tucked the card in his pocket. Um, and at 9.05, uh, 52 seconds in, Castillo told Officer Yanez, uh, Sir, I have to tell you that I do have a firearm on me. Before Castillo completed the sentence, Yanez interrupted and replied, Okay, and placed his right hand on the holster of his gun. At 9.05, 55 seconds in, Yanis says, okay, don't reach for it then. Castillo responded, I'm, I'm, it's inaudible reaching. Before being again interrupted by Yanis, who said, don't pull it out, Castillo responded, I'm not pulling it out. And Reynolds, his girlfriend, says, he's not pulling it out. Yanis screamed, don't pull it out, and pulled his gun with his right hand. Yanis fired seven shots into the direction of Castile in rapid succession. The seventh shot was fired at 9.06 and 02 seconds p.m. Um, and 
The other officer did not touch or remove his gun. And Reynolds at 90603 says, you just killed my boyfriend. At 906 and four seconds, Castile moans and says, I wasn't reaching for it. These were his last words. Uh, so from, from, from what we can tell, uh, and the video was subsequently released, that uh, Philando Castillo very calmly tells the officer, as he is required by law, as he had a license, a permitted license to carry the firearm, that he had a weapon, right? He tells the officer because obviously he intends not to be a threat to the officer. That's the only logical reason why you would tell a police officer that you have a firearm is because you want to let him know beforehand that he has this on him and he intends to not be a threat. And so as he is complying with the officer and, and reaching for, you know, his license, registration, and gives that to him, he tells the officer, and then the officer tells him not to reach for it, and Philando tells him blatantly, I'm not reaching for it. I am not reaching for it. And there's been no evidence supported that the firearm ended up in Philando's hand, that it was ever pointed at the officer, or that there was any need for the officer to duck and dodge, get out the way, shoot, defend himself. All we know is Philando made it very clear, I have a weapon, I'm not reaching for it, yet Philando Castile is dead as we speak. Um, and to make things even compoundingly worse, a recent video was just released of his girlfriend and his the daughter being in the uh, the vehicle and the, the daughter saying all kinds of things like, oh, you know, don't raise a ruckus. I don't want to see you get shot, too. And so we see this young girl who is going to be scarred for the rest of her life watching uh, her father um, be killed right in front of her. So um, horrible, 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 sad, infuriating story. Um, and we're yet we're, we're left to try to process what does this all mean how do you know we know obviously how we got here but wh where do we go from here um you know so we're trying to think through that um so gentlemen um thoughts <sighs> yeah bro um i feel devastated um i hate that it takes an event like this um to finally drive the point home that this is not an issue of compliance hmm. that I just hear so many people, you know, just for all of the unarmed black people yeah. um, that have just been killed in the, these recent times. Like, it's always like, well, why didn't he just do or, you know, why didn't he just comply with what the officer was saying? Yeah. Here we see complete compliance with officers. And the only thing that that officer was taking in was that there was a black guy and he said the word gun yeah. automatically in his head it yeah. went to okay i've got to murder him i've got to take him out yeah. and that is just a gut-wrenching idea to just walk around with knowing that my skin is a threat hmm. my my skin color you know as a black man i am walking around with a threatening um, shell that I'm in, you know, yeah. people can just completely will, will see me for, um, 
an idea of violence, an idea of danger just yeah. by my presence. Yeah. Um, and if Philando did not tell that officer that he had a gun and that officer goes, sir, is that a gun? Yeah. And then killed him. Everyone yeah. would have been like, yo, yeah. why didn't he just yeah. tell him he had a gun on him? Facts, bro. Why didn't he say it? Yo, you know the law says yeah. if you got a gun and a cop stops you, you got to tell him you have a gun on He you. didn't tell him because he's trying to hide something. Exactly. Why wouldn't you tell why him? Why wouldn't you tell him? And then now we see even when you comply, even when you do what's right, right? Yeah. You have your girl in the car. You got your kid in the back, right? As non-threatening a situation can get. Yeah. Seat belt on. It's yeah. just like, man, you're still black. Yeah. And you and black plus gun means imminent danger. Yeah. Right? He's not a law, licensed gun owner at that nope. point. He's just a black thug. Yeah. And man, I am just outraged um, that the defense of I feared for my life is bogus, man. Like that's yeah. all a cop needs to say oh. um, in order to get a jury to just, man, you know, but the cop, man, he, you know, cops get killed all the time and they're scared for their lives. They don't know, you know, what's going to happen. And just not looking at the facts of the situation to be able to, you know, even talking about marijuana smell or he was smoking or whatever. It's not like cops are running around killing everybody, every drunk driver they pull over. Oh, man, no. I smelled alcohol. I had to kill him. You know, yeah. I feared for my life. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, it's complete baloney, man. And um, I need this is just a call to everyone. Listen, every single excuse has been removed. What will you do now? Mm -hmm. Right. Are you going to yeah. continue to blame the victims? Yeah. Because this is a clear situation where you don't have an excuse now. What are you going to say? Yeah. How can you continue to blame us when we're being murdered out here in these streets? Now's the time for you to get involved, to become an activist. You are now seeing what we've been seeing for years. Yeah. A situation that we can go to. And if there's any good that I could even think of um, to pull from this situation is that it is an example, clear example that our lives don't matter. Yeah. It's not an issue of compliance. It's not an issue of, you know, are we doing the right things? Are we interacting with police officers well? Any of which are already garbage excuses. But it is a clear situation to just see. It's like, see, this is what we've been saying this whole time. Yeah. Just quickly, um, just wanted to piggyback off of that. Even if you think to yourself, man, you know what? This, You refuse to believe that this is a race issue. You refuse to believe that that factored into anything. That this was purely the result of human error. If you take that position, I want to know that why are you not incensed even at the fact that this keeps happening? Right. Mm -hmm. That this human error of individuals who are getting killed needlessly by cops why aren't you saying we got to figure out a way to retrain cops so that every time i talk to people who take that view they are so dismissive of the fact that it was just human error it was just a mistake well why doesn't that still infuriate you why aren't you still in your soul saying we've got to figure out a way to keep this from happening might it might it be because you don't care Mm. might it be because inherently in your own soul you have views about black people you have not addressed that maybe they deserve to have something like this happen mm -hmm. maybe they are threats so we're very good at hiding how we really feel 
by these external excuses. We're very good. That, that's one thing the sinful human heart does is that we will have these inherent ways of suppressing truth, as Romans 1 say, or devaluing uh, God or the creation, and we will find ways to prop it up with various excuses or philosophies of life or how we do things. We'll, we'll find ways to justify ourselves. And I'm suggesting to you, if this doesn't matter to you in any way, shape, or form, even if you take the position that this is not a race issue, which to me at this point is ludicrous, bogus. Completely ludicrous. Bro. Bogus. Mm-hmm. I want to, for you to ask yourself, why don't you, st- why don't you still care? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, I had a conversation even just yesterday um, um, about this with someone who's like, oh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't really see how race plays into it. It seemed like he just had poor training. And I had to really just remind this person that, you know, racism is not simply him yelling out racial slurs um, and then shooting him, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the, the essence of the racism we're talking about. We're talking about a racism that is ingrained culturally in your mm-hmm. mind so much so that you don't have to yell a racial slur at somebody but his presence makes you feel threatened mm-hmm. right that bias that ingrained bias is racism yeah mm-hmm. right the fact that you know and, and just remind this person why is it that um when when the when it is a minority when it's a black man or a black person or a black woman right that all of a sudden their threat level just seems to go up. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think that even even if you go with the human error argument, I think it points to a bigger, perhaps even more pervasive race issue. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about you know I grew up um, in one of the more progressive parts of the country. Um, every you know, but it was I grew up around a bunch of white people. I grew up around a bunch of white liberals. You know, mm-hmm. and um, even though there was training in school about tolerance and acceptance you know even going into college i had those biases Mm -hmm. i i experienced that racism you know i i experienced you know seeing black people walk down the street and almost having this primal subconscious response of kind of getting a little bit tense Mm. you know or, or or making certain judgments just based off of the fact that my exposure to black people was limited and it was based on whatever kind of biases were portrayed to me in the media or so on and so forth Mm -hmm. and really it wasn't until one you know experiencing the gospel experiencing the fact that you know okay you know all people are made in god's image yeah um and also you know experiencing community and experience and interaction with people that those biases start to kind of go away or you even recognize that you have them to begin with and so you know if, if people want to say okay well you know you could tell that he was skittish you could tell that it was kind of a primal response i think that even does point to a racism just as you were saying dan so yeah yeah and i feel like that is so pervasive to the point where we think that about our own races yeah you know what i'm saying like minorities think that about themselves yeah you know, to yeah. where it's turned inward to like we've become a threat mm-hmm. to yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, I forget who says this, but um, it's been noted as saying that 
uh, white supremacy can only be held up by minority compliance in the sense that minorities begin to think this way of themselves. They begin to imbibe these false ideas about themselves. And so one prominent argument you heard people saying, well, Yanez was not white. So how could this be about a, a, a race issue when he, you know, he was Latino? Or, or um, and, and so th- this idea that, well, because you're a minority, you can't possibly be racist towards your own people, right? It's like, no, white supremacy is such that it seeps into the mentality of minorities and, be, and causes them to hate themselves, causes them to devalue themselves. Um, and this plays that itself out in so many different ways, man. Um, so, and like, for instance, like I've seen um, blacks, like honestly, sometimes, you know, you, you see other blacks and you're, you're afraid, right? That you like, like, you know, I thank you, Andy, for being honest about yourself, right? But um, blacks too, we can see other yeah. black people mm-hmm. and think, this guy's going to be a threat to me. Let me let me watch out, right? Um, I've, I've often had to correct my own self in my thinking, and I, I thank God I've gotten so much better at this, is when I see someone that looks like me to not think in any type of negative way and realize, no, this is a dignified human being, you know, and th- that, th- that sense of having to wash myself of white supremacy, having to wash myself of devaluing my own... Uh, my own race. Another way you see it is in African American communities. This the light skin versus dark skin debate. Mm-hmm. The 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 light skin. You know, because that person being mixed with white genes and closer to white, that person being expected to white act a certain way. Soft. You know, being like Drake. You know, kind of <laughs> like you know more more docile, right? You know, whereas the dark skin is supposed to be more aggressive, mm-hmm. more. You know, he's acting like a. You know the way he's supposed to be more more thuggish right uh and so just even that rec- that that delineation of light skin versus dark skin that is a product of white supremacy you know um having remember having a recent conversation um with one of my brothers and and hearing him say uh man i don't, I don't know if i want to marry a dark skin woman i don't want my my kids to be too dark skin and I was saying, like, that's white supremacy. That that's y- y- you thinking dark skin is is ugly and light skin is more beautiful. That is white supremacy having sunk itself in your brain, yeah. and now you think the darker you are, the uglier you are, the more worthless you are, the more thuggish you have to be, the more devalued you have to be, and white is right. And I think the scary thing, the thing that really breaks my heart, man, is for that little girl in the back. Because look how quickly she received the gospel of white supremacy. She seen her dad get popped. And then she was like, yo, yo, you don't don't make a ruckus because you might get shot, too. Yeah. So what she's essentially saying is I, I understand in mere seconds how I can see that it's not about being innocent. It's about. Man, if I get too loud, if my outcry against injustice is too loud, then I am liable to get killed, too. This is the order of things. Exactly. So she now has been indoctrinated to now have this white supremacy uh, brainwashed in her own brain to say, you know what? I've got to maintain order. I've got to be quiet because when I'm silent, I'm safe. If I talk, then I could be killed. And it's so crazy that now that's the narrative that she's going to walk around with. Yeah, yeah. I just want to point out too that 
you know, this conversation that we're having now amongst ourselves, right, in, in our minority context is not the conversation going on in the rest of the country. Mm. You know, in the majority culture, they're discussing, you know, ev- everything but the fact that this was a human being. Hmm. The fact that he had a life, the fact that his kids, you know, his girlfriend, they're they're going to, their lives are going to continue in this narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And there is that sense of privilege that they have where they can take that off, right? Mm-hmm. Like even this, so this was the perfect, um, in a sense, case study, right? That uh, evidence that this is not a compliance issue, mm-hmm. evidence that this is a deeper racial bias within our country, right? Yeah. And so you have, I, I feel like there are there are white evangelicals who are kind of seeing this uh, for what it is, right? And acknowledging, wow, this is not okay. This is not just. We're engaging this as if this was like our brother. Yeah. And they're engaging this as if this is something just happened over there somewhere far off. Yeah. Right? Because they don't, they're not forced to engage with it on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even as you look at white evangelical culture, conservative culture, it's funny to see them being consistent with even some of their own values. This would be the perfect opportunity for the NRA to be like, look at Philando Castile and how he, how he was yeah. a, a licensed gun owner and how this, he, his rights, uh, Second Amendment, Amendment rights were devalued. He had to have mm-hmm. the right to hold. He should right. have been able to held, keep that gun without there being an issue. Dead silence. Nothing. We hear nothing from them. This is your opportunity to make a big deal out of it. Oh, no. Well, what what does that really mean? Well, because if we do that, well, then we conflict with our political agenda and our game and, quite frankly, your racism (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. such that, you know, you you don't consistently defend all the 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 right to bear arms to all people mm-hmm. that only extends to a few people right and this goes back to what blacks have been saying from the from from the very beginning of this country till now the laws and the you know the statutes bill of rights all that stuff the constitution were from the very beginning meant to protect white males mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. it was never meant to protect us mm-hmm. and so philando castile his Second Amendment rights mean nothing. No one's making any big deal out of that, and it's it's like I, it's to the point right now where I, I I hate to say this, but I feel like I have to tell other black people it's you shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't carry a gun. Like I'm I feel like I'm capitulating to the threat that is white supremacy because to carry a gun, to have your kid like Tamir Rice to play with a toy gun, anything of that nature. You will be killed. And all that the officer has to say is that he felt threatened. It is a licensed, sanctioned way of killing off black people. All that the officer has to say was that he felt threatened and they will dismiss it as human error. And again, there we go. We're back with the hashtags on social media. We're back mourning more people being killed, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just went to Toys R Us with my daughter. We picked up some super soakers, and uh, you know, I told her we can play in the courtyard, but we can't really go outside with it because you know I don't have confidence that the police officers will be able to distinguish this bright green super soaker yeah. as being different from a gun. And I value being her dad so much that, uh, hey, we're just gonna have to play inside. <laughs> 
and you know we'll get the floor wet but it's okay because at least you'll have a dad yeah and um the other thing i want to point out is listen the cameras didn't do anything right body cams dash cams they just give us a front row seat to the injustice like Hmm. the fact that he knew he was being recorded did not even come into his mind he had no hesitation in killing him on camera knowing that that footage would be used in court and on top of that despite having the footage he still got off right Mm. so it just makes me think like yeah you know the cell phone footage body cams dash cams you know there's a level of security that we think we're getting in these products and we're not because that's Mm. not the issue the issue isn't that there's no visibility Right. It's just that that's the kind of system that we have. We don't have a justice system. Mm. We have an incarceration system. Mm. And until that changes, it doesn't matter. We can put that thing in 4K. It's not going to make a difference. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So, fellas, man, I just, you know, as we talk about this, um, how, how where do we go from here? What, is, what does it look like to move forward? Um, you know, for me, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Like, I've been feeling a bit hopeless <laughs> as of late. Um just it's just one thing after the next after the next one acquittal after the next after the next and it's just like you're realizing for this to change you need entire systemic like reconstruction and and you need a culture change which that in of itself is difficult too, because changing laws don't no, don't necessarily automatically change culture. That's right. Um, and so, obviously, you know, until black bodies are be are seen as image bearers, that they're supposed to be respected and valued, they will continue to be killed. But honestly, man, I as I think about this, I'm just like I don't even know how we go. Like I just I, I'm I've been feeling discouraged, yeah. you know. So what what are your thoughts, fellas? Yeah, I mean, first off, man, I just um it is really a run to Jesus moment for me personally. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in like the cliche just pray about it way. Yeah. Like literally just spending time with God just to console me. Mm-hmm. Um because there I am normally a very just uh, laid back, kind of um, quiet, just not easily disturbed, but I feel rageful. And I know people have just been feeling that for a long time. And um, I just need Jesus to just really speak um, to me and just kind of into the situation. The other thing is um, open your mouths. And that's something mm-hmm. that I really encourage people to do. Like, I've just seen incredible amounts of um, just benefit to when I've just spoken about oppression or I've just spoken about um, areas where there might be a blind spot to white supremacy um, just in the environments that I normally roll in. And the people that have a degree of trust you know, in me, um, I, I just found those conversations to be very fruitful where other times, um, I just, you know, haven't really spoken up. Um, so I just encourage everyone listening, man, like your voice matters Yeah. and, um, it doesn't even have to be in a way of like trying to educate somebody, but man, just that outcry of injustice, that outcry, um, just to speak against a, a broken system is important. And I know it may seem, especially social media wise, like everyone is talking about it, but it's not true. 
everyone is not talking about it. Many people are silent still on these issues. And I think you can get caught up in the echo chamber of your Twitter verse mm. and Facebook and you feel yeah. like everybody's screaming, but they're not. Yeah. Out on these streets, a lot of people are silent. And um, I just want to make a call um, to, because I think like to my, a lot of like, people in caribbean culture just to make sure like sometimes i feel like we feel like we're removed from the situation or just maybe black immigrants in general like that somehow this is more of an african-american issue i just want people to know like man we're in this together especially in the eyes Mm. of um oh yeah talking about police yeah yeah. they ain't not distinguishing between african African african-american caribbean exactly y'all all all black y'all all all could catch the same bullet exactly and i've just been hearing just in my local communities that's you know the people that i'm around i just especially from our older folks man i'm just i'm hearing a a lot of separatist talk so it's just a call to action for everybody um just to continue to speak up um, because it makes a difference and it, it makes a difference in the lives of the people that you know, that know, like, and trust you. Um, because it's one thing to kind of hear angry people on Twitter. It's another thing to hear it from your next door neighbor. It's another mm. thing to hear it from people in your church. Yeah. Um, that it's like, oh man, this is real. This is not just angry black people online. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, um, I, you know, as similar to what I said in, in the last episode, like it's okay to grieve and it's okay to hurt. It's okay to acknowledge that this is not how things are supposed to be. Um, and take that time to hurt, but to also see how, like Rich said, you know, going before God and see how, how, how the gospel can, can help like you personally, like in your grief, pretty much the same thing Rich said. I mean, talk, you know, voice your, you know, how you feel really, um, articulate as best as possible. And I think one thing to keep in mind is that, you know the other side right or the the white evangelical most of the time they're they're not like bad people they're not themselves overtly racist but a lot of times they they're not around anyone in any minority culture and so they they need to to help understand right yeah and a lot of times you'll meet people who are just you know don't care what you have to say whatever but sometimes you'll meet those people who really genuinely love God and understand this idea of image bearer and um, you you can be a part of helping them understand yeah. that. Yeah, you know. the, the Eric Garner verdict was the first time that I was really forced to, well, I guess for me it was, it was the first time where I really thought, oh, it's probably a good idea for me to just ask my black friends, like, how are you feeling about what's going on in America right now? That was the first time I, I even was conscious to think it's an important question to ask and just sit back how are you doing? And then don't try to make my case. Don't try to play devil's advocate. Don't try to 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 correct. Just simply just try to empathize. And and, and it was yeah. extra eye opening, you know. And and yeah. that was what pressed me to it. So just just asking those questions and and sitting back and listening, I think, is definitely important. Yeah, and I know um, as as black people it can be difficult having these conversations yeah. over and over yeah. again yeah. i mean it can be wearing yeah. it can be emotionally difficult and um scarring in many ways especially as you deal with people who just seem so naive and ignorant um and so i want to say like if, you, if if mentally you feel like you can't have those conversations don't feel obligated um that's good and i and i also want to tell people that that if you can though if you can have these conversations in a rational way or in a calm way I, want, I I encourage you to press into those conversations I encourage you to um, 
not take an antagonistic me versus them. They, I don't have to tell white people anything, whatever. You know, they can just Google it, you know, which some people take that position. Um, and I, and I, I want to encourage, I've had so many fruitful conversations. I've had some not fruitful ones too, but like I've seen some of my white friends legitimately understand and change yes. their minds and yes. their hearts on this. Yes. Yes. And I feel like every time you quote unquote win someone over, that helps break white supremacy. It I helps. Agree. Because here's the thing. Here's the truth. Racism and white supremacy and the way that it's been set up in America will not crumble until white people recognize the need to change it. Yeah. Black people can cry all they want, but until white people recognize, yo, we got to do something, because guess what? They're the ones with the power. Mm-hmm. And so even Martin Luther King, march and do all that, but you still got to sit down with the president. You still got to sit down with politicians. You still got to sit down with congressmen to get laws changed, you know. And as much as we wouldn't, you know, we we shouldn't have to do this. We shouldn't have to, you know, um, strategically speaking. Mm. And just as even if you don't think pure from a strategic standpoint, from a pure like loving humanity, loving your brother in Christ, if this person is a Christian, you want people to have a uh, outward expression of the gospel that's as consistent as possible. Mm. So if you see your white brother holding views that are racist or unhelpful or not quite understanding or if they want to have a conversation with you on this if you can and feel free to not feel an obligation to but if you can i would encourage you to press in because we need to conversation by conversation help bring as much understanding as we can to eventually by the grace of god break the back of white supremacy in this culture so um thanks for sticking with us um yes it's it's trying times but we trust the lord um so continue um to uh press in with the lord man and press into the church as as jacked up as it may be (laughs) from time to time um and by the grace of god like he will sanctify his bride Um, So, this has been another episode of City Image. Signing out. See you later. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.